Think, believe, talk. We're going to talk about, well, let me read it to you. Um, Let me read something to you from Kenneth Hagin. So I got to show you something I did. I did it. I went and did it. I have a Bible that I got from Kenneth Hagin back in the 80s. And he signed it for me. And so while I was there in Tulsa, I bought a new one. And uh, solid leather, Kenneth Hagin editions, got all of his notes in it. And um, just great. It's King James, so that may shock you. But um, this, was, this was the Bible I used when I first started pastoring this church and I started preaching. This, this particular uh, Nelson study Bible, the whole nine yards. So it has notes in here, and I'm going to find them in just a moment. I should have marked them. But, there, but we're going to talk about the three reasons people are defeated or what are the three things you can do to always get victory. And you can say it either way. Um, I got to find this. I got to find it. I should have. So, soul. That's a joke with Lisa and I. Um, People up north always say that. In lesson four, Brother Hagen, there, there are things that he has written and said over time that impacted me greatly. And it helped me, from that point on, it helped me in my faith. And one of them is not just the believing the Bible or the saying it, but what are you, th- how has that affected your thinking? You're going to find out that you're going to need to do something with your thinking because you need to think in line with the Word of God. Because it's easy to say, oh God, I have, you're, you're looking at the problem, you're praying about the problem, you're talking about the problem, and you're reading the Bible and you're praying, but you still got your eyes on the problem, you're thinking about the problem, you're really not going anywhere. So I'm going to read this, and it says, this is something he wrote in Lesson 4. It's in the big book out there on faith, too. The eyes of faith see the answer as having already happened. Faith sees the answer. And we're going to talk in a minute how to get your mind renewed to where when you say you're believing God, Oh, what are you doing with your thought life during that time? Because that's the part where Satan's going to hit you is in your thought life. And that's where you're going to deal. So in Proverbs 4.20, it says, My son, attend to my words. Incline your ear to my say them and let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the middle of your heart. They are life to those that find them and hell to all their flesh. This says many people fail because they see themselves failing. If they're sick, they see themselves dying. Himself took our infirmities and bare our sickness. If the word of God does not depart from your eyes, you are bound to see yourself without sickness, without disease, and you see yourself as well. If, however, you do not see yourself without sickness, the word of God has departed from in front of your eyes. And even though God wants to make it a reality, he cannot because you're not acting on the word of God. All right, let me read some more here. 
quit saying the wrong thing and start saying the right thing. And then he says, wrong thinking, wrong believing, and wrong talking defeats you. The devil cannot defeat you. He's already been defeated for you. You defeat yourself or Satan does defeat you and you permit him to do so as a consent of ignorance. All right. So, so you understand that when we pray and when we believe in God, it, it's, it's very important what's going on in your imagination. And I'm not talking about mind over matter. I'm not talking about just positive thinking. I'm talking about positive believing. There's a big difference. Positive thinking means you've conjured up something in your soul and you're trying to believe, you're trying to pick yourself up by your bootstraps by thinking good thoughts. That's not positive faith. Positive faith means you actually found a scripture that says that is yours and you have to let that begin to control how you think. So if you're not going to change your thinking, then what it is is that you're expecting. See, faith is a substance of what you hope for, and the word hope means a confident expectation. Or Roberts would say, something good is going to happen to you. And people would get mad at him and go, how can you run around saying that? You don't know if something's going to happen to me or not or not. Well, wait a minute. Why don't we just believe that God has something good for you? Why don't you stay on the positive? The Bible says in Philippians, it says, think on these things. In other words, you can control, you may not control what's happening, but you certainly can control what you're thinking about. And if it tells you to think on good things, then you can think on good things. Now, let me tell you what started my little sermon tonight. It's really funny. I've been working on my next book. My, I got one book in California the, I got an illustrator who's doing, he's a professional, and he's taken my book, The Little Creature, and he's turned it into a children's book. And, um, I, and, I, and I don't know when it'll be out, um, but I'm going to, I want y'all to believe with me, I'm taking it to Harrison House and asking for it to go nationwide and worldwide. And then once they grab that one, I got two more to give this guy. And anyway, so I'm in the middle of writing books, and and, and my next my next book for adults is called Storyteller. And so, um, you know, if I were to pass away, just ask Melanie; she can tell all stories. Um, I tease her about that all the time. She's been around since dirt. So she actually came to youth one time, brought Methuselah with her. So. So, so you, you and I, you and I have to learn that, that you're, you, God can do nothing outside of your faith. In other words, you may disagree with that, but here's the, here's the issue. Though Jesus had died for you for years and years and years, it did you no good because you had never mixed faith with what he did. There's a lot in the Bible, a lot in the Bible that's for you. God wants you to have it. As a matter of fact, if you're sick, he wants you well more than you want to be well. He wants you blessed more than you want to be blessed. But his, the, his, the, the thing he's having the hardest time with is getting you and I to cooperate with him. Now, is, is, because there's a devil, there's always something bad to think about. So, so I'm going to give you a scripture, 2 Corinthians 10. 
I'm glad all the pages don't stick together in this. There's a Bible says a lot about your thinking, and we're, I'm going to read it, uh, Andrew in a minute on imagination. Oh, I was going to tell you how this started, and I didn't. When I was a boy, I wrote stories. Now, that may shock everybody except Barbara. I actually wrote stories. I loved to read. Now, I love to read. When I, we didn't have, we, we had a TV, three channels, black and white. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And it had snow on it all the time. Where when you went outside, you know, you, someone had to go in the backyard. And while we turned on our favorite movie and they turned the antenna and hollered, it's there, it's there, it's there. And so, I mean, you had Bonanza and Leave it to Beaver and stuff like that. And, but, but my favorite thing to do was to curl up on a couch and read a book. And, and I read some pretty extensive books. I sat in high school one time, read a history book from beginning to end. I, I mean, I just love to read. I love knowledge. I love it. But I love adventure books because in a book, you can go anywhere and be anyone you want to be. Now, that may sound childish, but I was a boy. I still do it. But I love reading stories about other places, whether it's cowboy stories out west or, or frontiersmen with Daniel Boone or pirates. And I loved reading the stories and I loved all the adventures. And all we've done now is replace all that with, with DVDs and movies and, and, and Amazon. But reading, you know, you could go places in a book. And so when I, when I was a boy, I, I wrote a story and I'm going to try to tell you my story. It starts off, and, it, and the funny thing about it, I don't know if it have the impact it would if you were reading it, but it starts off with a boy named Johnny who lives about uh, the late 1800s, and he's out early in the woods, early in the morning, and he's squirrel hunting, and he's watching the sun come up down by the creek below his house, and he's, he's thinking all this time about what's going on with mom and dad and what's going on in the house and how there's friendly Indians around, and, and, and in other words, he's, he's hunting squirrels, but he's sitting in the woods, and he's thinking about what's going on, and then all of a sudden he sees movement, he thinks it's a deer, and then OMG, it's a real Indian, and this Indian is a bad Indian, and he's on the war path and, and little boy has like a 36 caliber black powder rifle and, and the Indian sees him and grabs a tomahawk and running and, and about to scalp him and when he hears Johnny, Johnny and it's, he stops and goes, yeah mom. And he goes, what are you doing? I'm outside here. Your dad will be home in a minute. And um, get, come in for dinner. And, and what you realize is that everything I wrote up until that time, the boy is found. He's, he's imagining. And it's kind of a shock because you're not ready for mom to call him to dinner. And she says, and throw that stick down and come on in. And, and so I've read that, I read that story to people and they're like, oh my God, that's a good story. But, but see, I've always, I've, always, I've always believed that God gave us and imagination, and he gave it to us to use for the positive. And I said from that statement, if you can't see what you can't see, you'll never see it. And if faith is a substance of what you hope for, maybe our problem is not faith. Maybe it's that we've lost hope. If you lose hope, 
There's nothing for faith to attach itself to. So well, hope is, is what is happening in your, in your soul. What are you thinking about? What are you seeing? And very often when you hear a bad report, which we do all the time now, and some, listen, you just, some of y'all need to turn the TV off. Just turn it off. It isn't making a difference anyway. God's got Trump. And, amen. And everybody else. Amen. Just, just because, first of all, we, we, how are you going to decipher what's true and isn't? You're sitting there going, oh, shoot them all. No, not really. I don't mean that. Just, but I mean, just clean, just clean the White House out. Anyway, but there's so much negative, and I'm going to jump ahead of myself, but what are we going to do with the scripture that says, my God shall supply all of my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That scripture ought to implant in your soul that whatever I put my hand to shall prosper. I am blessed coming in. I am blessed going out. Abraham's blessings are mine. And that ought to create in your soul a picture that in the days ahead, things are gonna go well for me. Now, you understand that there's a battle going on in your soul because all of a sudden you're starting to think about, you know, uh, oh, my God, the interest rates. We need to sell our big fat truck and get a Tesla. I actually thought about it until I realized what it cost to charge it and how long the charging lines were, and I went, oh, forget it, keep the, keep the truck. Anyway, it doesn't pull the camper anyway, so I, that's, that's not going to work. So, but, but anyway... The Lord began to deal with me, and I began to watch people. And I want you all to know something. During the Great Depression, people committed suicide. But what, what it was never been known until lately, there were more millionaires made during the Great Depression than any other time in American history. What, what was the difference? It's what the people were doing and what were you thinking about. Let me tell you something. When something goes down, something goes up. Somebody said one time, you can't, you can't, you know, buy a house. Well, then rent one. Listen, you know, find what's making money. Find what people are, are listen, you know, there's so many job opportunities right now. People are wanting everything from solar to God knows what. There's, all, there's opportunities, but what are you looking at? What are you thinking about? When you, you know, when you lose a job or somebody gives you a bad report, go to the word and go, my God meets all of my needs. I mean, my God answers my prayers. If whatever I desire when I pray, believe it's granted. If he heard me, I got it. Glory to God. And start thinking as though the Bible were actually true. And you're going to be a fruitcake if you walk around happy right now. Ah, glory to God. Jesus said, Lord. And everybody's going to go, what are you smoking? Mark 11, 23 and 24, you want some? <laughs> I actually had a guy say that to me one time. I was working one day, and I was building the air and rents down there on um, 436 and 50. And I was up on a scaffold, and um, we were up there and um, talking and laughing, and, and, and we, we were cracking jokes in the morning. And everybody on, on our crew that at that time was a born-again Christian. We all went to the same church together. And so the guy came by on a forklift, and, and he, looked at, he looked at us, and he said, what do y'all own? 
I mean, we're happy. It's in the morning. We're happy. And I said, I said, this is not what you suppose. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. We are up here because we are born again, filled with the Holy Ghost. We have not been smoking dope or drinking beer. We are full of the Holy Ghost. And he drove off. <laughs> but it's true. It's true. Um, one of the hardest things I've ever had to do was to keep my mind on the Lord. Lisa, my wife over there, she'll tell you every once in a while she'll see me walking around and I'll get a little sour and, and I'll start talking about something and she'll, go, and she'll go, don't go dark, don't go dark. And I have more of a tendency to do that than she does and I'll have to stop myself and grab a Bible and pick it up and go, yeah, she's right, don't go dark. Now look at this, 2 Corinthians um, 3, uh, no, no, 10, 2 Corinthians 10. We'll come back over to 3 in a minute, 2 Corinthians 10. The, 4, the weapons of our warfare, we're in a war, are not carnal. That's physical. Carnal means like a meat eater, like a, a, a fox or a wolf is a car carnivorous animal, carnal but mighty through God to the pulling down of a stronghold. Now, what is a stronghold? Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every what? Thought. Every thought. You and I are going to have to take the thoughts sometimes that are in your head and pull them down and go, not on my watch. No, 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 no. The more words you have, the easier this is going to be. Um, I'm going to read something out of um, Andrew's book on imagination. But, but when, the, when I went to the doctor that time and he told me I had congestive heart failure, you, you know, I had, I had all kinds of imaginations. And, and, and let's just be honest. You know, at that time, you're starting to plan your funeral. Uh, you know, you, you just ain't got long to live. And, and my heart was so bad that actually to walk from here to those front doors out there would leave me breathless. And getting, you know, Lisa would tell you that I got on a bicycle and I'd ride down the road. And I mean, within like, a, what, a, two or 300 yards, I have to stop. And I'm not going uphill. I'm, down, I'm going downhill. And uh, not really all the time, but really, it, sometimes you just have to stop and wait on me. And your mind begins to mess with you. Like, you have really messed up, and you're never going to get out of this, and you're not going to get your healing this time. And, 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 you know, you don't have enough faith for this. And, 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 I mean, it just goes. And next thing you know, you've got all kinds of imaginations. And you got to deal with it. And you don't want to get in there and just pretend. So I had to go and find Psalm, you know, 103, that he forgives every iniquity in case I screwed up. He heals every disease. He redeems my life from destruction. He crowns me with loving kindness and tender mercies so that my youth is renewed like an eagle's. I will run and not be weary. I will walk and not faint. Now, I had to take those scriptures and I had to start thinking, walk, run. I, I, come on, help me out. I had to start thinking 
This, I'm not dying with this. I'm not done yet. He said, with long life, he will satisfy me. He said, with, until I'm satisfied. I'm not satisfied. And, and so, you know, I, I'm thinking in my mind, so what I did to combat that was to plan a trip to Alaska. You say, well, wasn't that a little? Well, listen to me. If you're going to die, die in faith. Don't die in unbelief. So, so we planned a trip, and so every day of my life, I got out and I walked, and I said, tomorrow, I'm going to walk further. And every day that I started, the devil said, they'll find your body on the dirt road. But you know what? If I'm healed, I'm going walking. And, and you know, it was a fight because I don't feel like walking. I want to go to bed, but healthy people don't go to bed. In the middle of the day, they're up doing something. So I would get out and walk, and then I would get in there and plan my trip to Alaska. And I told the devil, I said, there is a mountain in, uh, where was it, Sitka or Juneau? Where was it that, Juneau, that was where Sarah Palin lived when she was governor. They got a gondola that'll carry you halfway up. Thank you, Jesus. But once you get about halfway up the mountain, it unloads you. And then let's quite a climb to the top. And I got out and climbed it. And I stood up on the top of that hill and I said, Satan, I told you. I'm climbing this hill. And when I get down off this hill, I got another year, two years, three years, four years. I realized this. When they give you a bad report, plan your vacation or plan something good. Sit back and go, well, you know what? I'm not going to do it. So when I'm in the hospital in Texas and they they got me in there and found out I was completely full of gangrene, I asked for a pencil and paper to work on my next Wednesday sermon. Now, see, I have to do something to keep my mind off the IVs and the machines and the monitors that are going, R2-D2s and everything. They got plugged up to me and the hole in my belly and the suction cups and all of the junk on me. See, that's the worst place in the world to believe for healing because ain't nobody healthy anywhere around you. And so I had to start working And I laid there and got excited about what I was going to preach when I got home. And I got home that Wednesday. And I didn't take one single pain pill, glory to God. I didn't take one single pill they gave me. I walked up here. I was about 20 or 30 pounds lighter. And some of it was a bunch of crap, but the rest of it was... uh, you know, I don't know whether y'all know it or not, but I, I busted inside and I just completely unloaded my intestines in my body. That's how bad I was when they found me. They opened me up and went, "Woo!" Someone said, you're full of it. You are, buddy. They went down to Home Depot and got a wet vac and stuck it on my belly button and just turned it on. Hey, y'all ain't, look at y'all, y'all can't. I guess I'm not in a city jail, am I? So glory to God. But anyway, they they, they cleaned me up and but I just laid there and started working on my sermon. I, 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 this is how I thought. This is how I thought. I called Lisa and I said, call the ladies. Let me tell you something. You have women <laughs> in your church that can pray. That's the time to let them do the praying. I don't need to be. I'm in a, I, don't need, I prayed yes. 
But I just said, I know that Betty's got it. I know Barbara wasn't here. She was AWOL at the time, but we have forgiven her. I, I know that Jeannie Bowser was here. I knew Lisa was here. I knew there was, I knew um, uh, Debbie Martin was here. And then I said, call Mary Fran. And I said, Heavenly Father, I'm going to cast the care of this on you in Jesus' name. And from that point on, I never had another, I'm dying. I will live and not die and share the end and, and with long life. I, I refuse. I will not go there in my soul. And I got my pencil and paper out, and I don't know what I preached, but I got me a sermon. And I remembered getting on the airplane and sitting there and, and coming home and, and coming home into the house and going in there. And, and I remember that was like Monday I came home, and the guy told me, he says, we can't send you home. You're sick. And I said, well, what's wrong with me being sick at home and being sick here? I said, you've done all you can do. Let me go home. And finally, he had enough of me and said, patch him up and get him on a plane. You know, you know, there's a scripture that says the kingdom of God suffers violent, and the violent take it. If, you're, if you just push hard enough, they'll, never mind. So I came in here, and I came walking in, and the people in this church asked me a stupid question. What are you doing here? I said, well, I work here. They said, well, we thought you were almost dead. And I said, was. Open your Bible. <laughs> But, but listen, to God be the glory, because I learned, I learned so long ago that my imagination, I, I, faith is a substance of what you're hoping for. And I could tell you hundreds of stories. I'm going to tell you a few tonight on how your imagination, how God uses it. You may think he doesn't need it. He needs your imagination. You need to think on good things. Anyway, let me read this. Let me read this. I'm not done. Anyway, I'm doing better than y'all. Amen. And anyway, but I'm going to get it. He's on chapter two. He says, your imagination is responsible for creating the roadmap that your life follows. Powerful. Whether you realize it or not, your life is exactly the way you've imagined it to be. And Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. If you see yourself poor, no matter how many zeros are on your paycheck, let me stop right there. there there's people who make money and they're still poor because they think poor. And there are people who are broke and come out of it because they think rich. If, if you could run around with millionaires a while, the first thing that he has to do is not help you make money, but help you get your head screwed on right. So you're thinking like somebody who has money, makes money, and knows that, that money's not difficult to make. Now, now people have said, well, you know, that kid's a rich kid, and that's why he has money. Yes, it is, because he's been around his mom and dad who are rich all his life, and he's never learned to think poor. He don't think poor. It isn't that he was given something. It's that he ran around with people who, who thought big. And if you grow up in a home where everybody thinks food stamps, you're going to go get food stamps. That's because that's what you've been taught. And you might be brilliant. You got to break it. I had to. Anyway, anyway, I'm preaching better than you. You ought to amen a lot more than you do it. You got to help me out. They're not. If you feel victimized or oppressed, 
There will always be somebody or circumstance keeping you from reaching your goals. You got to stop that. You, you may know that God wants you well and prosperous, even though you're praying it, but you can't see yourself as well and prosperous, you'll never experience it. That's pretty, that's not by my reading out of his book. Your imagination is the dominant controlling factor in your life. It is like a governor on a car. Some vehicles have built-in safety features called a governor. A governor controls a car's speed, and once a driver hits that speed limit, what it's set to, the governor kicks in and keeps it from going any faster. And there are people, it wouldn't matter if them, if you won the lottery and had a million dollars, you'd be broke in four years. Because you have a governor in your soul. It's called a poverty mindset. Think about that a little while. I do everything I can to get you out of that. Boy, I want to say some stuff, but I just, well, let me see. When people are against the prosperity message, the only one you're damning is you. Because you with your mouth have cursed it and you have told your soul we cannot go there and you never will. You, you, and if you're jealous of the people next door having a boat and a car, you have, you, that's harming you. Get excited when other people get ahead. Get excited when they get their healing. Get excited when, the, when God blesses them. And the more you're excited about that, the more your soul picks it up. All right, that's, we could, I could do that. We could stay on that for so long. I, let me just tell you a story here. When I was in Tulsa, and, and it's going to embarrass me to tell you this, I told you how poor I was, but it wasn't God's fault. The, the apartment complex I worked at offered me an hourly job or a job painting apartments. I made five an hour, made $20 a day, and then they took out taxes. But they would have let me have my own business like with several hundred units and pay me like 50 or $75 a unit to paint it. And I had not enough faith to buy the brushes and believe that I could make it my my unbelief, my poverty thinking kept me on a job nine to five with a paycheck as a guarantee as opposed to owning a business. Now, now that was Tulsa, but I was just starting to learn the word of God. Never again will I ever work for another human being and make money by the hour. Amen. No, I'll own the business. But see, my, my circumstances didn't change, but my thinking changed. All right, that's, that's embarrassing, but I didn't embarrass you this time, just me. Now listen to this. A friend of mine grew up with a mean, angry father, living under his father's roof, was, was oppressive. He told me once that his, that his dad had, um, had used car, got parts off a used car. They probably had 50 junk cars parked on their farm. At any given time, his dad would take parts out to repair one and then the other, and they'd sell parts. And he said one day to him, he said, son, you're so stupid, you can't put a nut on a bolt. Now, now, whether you understand it or not, words, you know, the, there's an old saying, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Lie, 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 lie. Sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will kill you. 
It is very important not to run around with people who talk to you like you're stupid. You old sinner, you old ugly thing, y'all ain't worth a nickel. Get out of that mess. If you're married to it, stay as, go find a television show or something. Listen, all right. After years of hearing that message, it became a self-fulfilling prophecy in my friend's life. I remember working with him on a car, and as smart and capable as he was, I'd watch him shake every time he put a nut on a bolt, terrified he was going to cross-thread it. One time, my friend put the nut on the bolt just fine, and he was so afraid to cross-thread it, he took it off and, and re-threaded it and screwed it up. Teachers, when I was a kid in school, and if you're a school teacher, when I was in third grade, because my mother and my father were divorced, at that time, I'm the only kid in class that is parents are divorced. And so the parents, the teachers decided that they're going to pick on me. So one day the teacher said, what are you going to do when you grow up? And I said, I want to be a doctor. She said, well, I would never come to you. You'd probably kill me, Daryl Morgan. I would never come. And she did not have any good thing to say to me or about me. And it, it, it created in me to heck with you. I ain't opening my mouth. I'll never talk again. And, and, and my next class I went to, the teacher couldn't get me to talk. They'd ask me a question. I'd stare at her. You're not embarrassing the fool out of me in front of everybody anymore. And it, they had to take me out of Miss, Mrs. Johnson's class and put me over in Miss Nix's class because Miss Johnson couldn't get me to answer any questions. Now, see, that had an impact on me. And I didn't get over it until I got born again and started listening to, I love you, Shabba. And I started, <laughs> and, and all that introvert fell off of me, and I got loud. I would start running my mouth, and I ain't never shut up since. <laughs> Someone said, you talk too much. I said, I'm making up for my whole childhood. I didn't say nothing to nobody. So <laughs> it's very important what you say. We've never told our kids you're stupid. We said, you're wrong, but you're not stupid. You're smart. You're bright. You're full of God. You love Jesus, but you're, you're getting a spanking. <laughs> but you're not dumb, you're not stupid. Amen. Never, 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 never. Okay. Now, he's going to talk about his mother here. You, my mother was a school teacher. She loved education, always made a big deal out of our academic achievements. Some people do too much. When I was in sixth grade, my brother took a test and found out he had the IQ of a genius. And I heard my mother talking about his results, and I asked about my score, and she said, well, you're just two points from an idiot. Years later, she laughed about that day and said, that's not true, Andy. I must have been joking with you, but I never knew it was a joke. Her words spoken in jest painted a picture of mediocrity in my mind, and I struggled with it for years, and it wasn't until the Lord revealed spirit, soul, and to me that my imagination changed. When I got born again, I was so introvert. This is what God said to me. He said, son, you were born by me on purpose, like Jesus. I said, how so? He said, what date were you born on? I said, September 21st. He said, the Jewish Yom Kippur. He said, what is your name? I said, Daryl George Morgan. He said, what's it mean? Highly esteemed, sower of seed, fisher of seas. He said, you were born on purpose. God said words to get me to start thinking higher of myself than I had ever thought to start thinking that maybe I can do what he called me to do. Now, it's very important for you to start believing what he said about you. You are no accident. When I see you walking into church, now I'm going to 
correct you, but in love. And you're walking around, you're thinking wrong. It's not the day. You've, a, you've, a, you've attracted a thought that has stuck in your head. And you need to get in here and worship God. Amen. Don't sit in the foyer and talk halfway through the worship service. Get in here and worship God. Listen to the word of God. Shout when we say shout. Run when we say run. And get your mind back on the things of God. Let the Holy Ghost drive that darkness out of you and replace it with the word of God. And he will do it. That's why we have church. And often the Lord will say things to you during a church service that I didn't say, but write them down. It's God talking to you. And many of you have had that happen to you many times, hadn't you? Okay, let me read some more out of this book. It says, I began to dig in the word as a young man, and I discovered that he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. And as Jesus is, so am I in the world. And I began to realize my spirit's identical to Jesus. And he said, and God's word began changing my internal picture. And the picture changed, so did I. Instead of seeing an introvert, I saw Jesus lives in me. I never saw a man anymore, just a little bitty Jesus inside of me. I saw Jesus and I were one. And I began to realize that I could raise the dead and pray for the sick too. Where did that happen? Reading the Bible should should paint a picture. It should make pictures in your soul. Not just reading. But I mean, when you're reading, my God meets all of my needs. My God meets all of my needs. Walk out and look at your car that's not running. Go, my God meets all of my needs. Then look at your gas tank and say, don't you ever tell me that gas is too high. My God meets all of my needs. Well, I will never be broke a day in my life. God blesses me coming in. Everything I put my hand to will prosper. And you may think that for a while that's not working. But let me tell you something. It is working because God needs your imagination. All right, I'm going to tell you a story. Y'all ready for a story? I'm going to tell you anyway, say amen. And I'm saying this for Wilson's sake because he needs a deer story. But when years ago I shot longbow competition, now it's not a compound, I don't have sights, I don't have wheels on it, I have a big longbow and I shoot instinctively, which means that I don't pay any attention to the arrow or the bow, I look at what I want to shoot and I draw and I hit it and I could hit it, I could hit a paper cup at 20 yards, a Dixie cup all day long, I've shot running I've shot, I, I, I literally got to where I just flat couldn't miss. I mean, that you, you can get your instincts there. So one thing I always wanted to do was shoot a deer on the ground right beside him when he doesn't know I'm there. Now, that's not easy to do. So I, I ordered a shirt from Three Rivers Archery, and on the shirt, there's a man standing by a tree in the woods drawing a longbow down on a deer about 10 yards away, quartering away, and he's about to put an arrow in that deer. And I put that shirt on, and every time I put it on, people ask me, what's your shirt? And I said, that's me. That's me. That's me. That's me. What am I doing? I'm using my imagination 
So I went up to Wisconsin, and I'm up there, and, and, I, and I've, I got a tree stand in the woods. But every morning on the way in my tree stand, it's in the dark. I got a flashlight, and I'm busting a deer out of a hammock, an oak hammock, right by a little tiny cornfield. And, and so, and I never saw the deer. I'd just getting in the dark. I would bust it out. And then coming out in the afternoon, I'd bust it out. And I never saw it, but I could hear it running out of that little neck of woods. Well, one day I decided I went down there, and I found me a little chair down by the lake. And I went up there and I just set it and I took my shears out and I cut the branches around me and I sat in that chair and just watched a tending branch until about 30 minutes before dark and a little seven point, eight point buck walked up and began to tend the branch about from here to the back wall. And he was looking right at me, and I went, oh, my God, there's my deer in the name of Jesus. That's my deer in the name of Jesus. That's my deer. That's my deer in the name of Jesus. Whatever I desire, when I pray, I have dominion over all the animals in this wood. Jesus' name, hallelujah, oh, glory to God. And I'm over there sitting in my chair praying tongues, and I'm scared that the deer is going to see me because I'm sitting in a chair, and the bushes only come up to there. And I'm going, oh, good Lord, I'm going to get down. And so I got down on my knees, and I couldn't see the deer. And now I'm going, and I can't squat, and I don't have strong legs that strong because I don't have mountains in Florida to, to climb and keep, because we have Mount Dora, but it's not very high. But anyway, so, so I'm down there on my knees, and I can't see anything. And so finally, after about five minutes, I scoop up, and the deer's gone. And I went, oh, where's my deer? Where's my deer? Where's my deer? Oh, Lord Jesus. And it was right there. And I went. And the tree, picture, perfect. Exactly like my t-shirt. I went, good God almighty. That's, <laughs> that's when it became powerful to me in the scripture. And you hear me say, if you can't see what you can't see, you'll never see it. God needs you to see what he says not see what the devil says, but do you see what he says to you? You are the redeemed. You are blessed. You are an overcomer. No weapon formed against you will prosper. Do you see that? You told your kids many times, do you see what I'm saying? What are you asking them? I want you to get a mental image that you better start doing what I've asked you to do or I'm going to tear it up. All right. All right, let me see if there's any more. Um, I think. So the Lord spoke to him one more time. I'll close with this. And he says, son, you are limiting me. Let me read this. In 2020, 2002, shortly after the terrorist attack on the Twin Towers, he told me, you're limiting me by your imagination. And I called my staff together and said, I don't know how long it takes to change, but I'm going to have to change the way I think. He's looking at what God's asking him to do, and the size of it is overwhelming him, and he can't see it. When it takes seven million to do that building and 20 million to do that, he refused to go there in his mind. What was hindering? And God said, you're hindering me. Now, wait a minute. Why would that hinder God? Because he needs Andrew to hook faith. Faith is a substance of what you hope for. So Andrew said that he would go out in the place that the building was, and he would take a stick and draw all the classrooms in the dirt and walk through the building before there was a building. 
Are y'all seeing this? Do you see this? You need to go walk through the house you're believing God for. You need to go get a picture of the vehicle you're believing God for. You need, you need to start learning how to see what God is saying. If you can't see yourself better than you are, you're not going to go there. So I saw myself in Alaska. I saw myself fishing. I didn't see myself dead, and I went to Alaska, and I went fishing, I've been there twice. And I really have this attitude about dying. I just don't really like it, (laughs) at least not for now. All right. All right. Okay. Okay. (laughs) That's that. That's that. And that's that. Okay. Romans 8.31. Romans 8.31. Let's talk about some scriptures now. Let's talk, let's do it. Let's do it. Romans 8. What can I say to these things? If God is for me, say, if God is for me, say, who? And be against me. All right, now, now wait a minute, wait a minute. All of the people you're mad at now, get over it. Get that out of your imagination. Well, you don't know what they did to me. Stop. The only thing they're doing is screwing up your head. You are the one hindering your forward movement. Now, we're going to go look at another one right now. Numbers 13. Go to Numbers 13. That's one of the scriptures that I read on a regular basis. Are you all out there? If God is for me, who could be against me? Because it seems like there's always somebody trying to keep me from getting to my goals. Now, listen to me. I I, I love this church. I love the people's church. And they don't do it near, near as much. But when I first came, we had a lot of negative people. And I took their negativity to heart. And I let them make me mad. I mean, they're just not nice. But one day, after some lady had a word with me in the foyer. Now, see, see, if, if, if you grew up introvert and God delivered you and you start pastoring, it doesn't take a lot of people calling you a no good son of a gun for you to get back in the flesh. Well, I'm just talking about me. I, I don't do it anymore. I'm nice now. But, but I kept asking God, just, you know, get, kill all these people and get me some real Christians in here. I mean, I just, but, but what happens is, is this, that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. You call me worthless, you're dang right I'll go worthless. Yes, it's true. So what happens is you start calling someone names, they become it. Well, you're a mean preacher. You're darn right I'm mean. And, and yet I was, I was biting every, I mean, Satan was throwing the, hook, the bait hook. I was biting it. And it was, I was getting meaner and worse. And I kept thinking, God, if you just get rid of all these crazy people, we'd have a good church here. And, and then more crazy people would come. 
I'm just telling you the truth. And one day I pulled out of my, I got in my truck and I'm driving out of the parking lot and I'm not happy. And the Lord said, I said, you're a man of God. And it thundered and he hollered at me. I said, and I went, yes, sir. And once my image changed, they quit controlling me. You're no good. That's good. Open your Bible. Because I began to realize I'm not who they say I am. I'm who he says I am. And Satan will always have someone in your life that thinks if they can blow your candle out, it will make theirs brighter. And if you don't watch it, if you don't watch it, you'll bite. Don't do it. Don't do it. I am who God says I am. They did it with Jesus. I am who he says I am. I can do what he says I can do. And uh, what you think about it is irrelevant. Now, if, if 20 people say you're a donkey, you might be a donkey. You might need to work on yourself. You might need to do. So I had some adjusting to make. I did. I really did. And I didn't get over it in a week or two. It took a little, little time. I won't tell you how long. All right. Chapter 13, Numbers. God is sending the children of Israel into the promised land. God has given them the promised land. God has given you the promised land. Your covenant is better than their covenant. All right, let's think about that for a minute before, before we start reading. Verse 25, and they returned from searching the land after 40 days, and they went to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh and brought back word unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told them and said, we, we came to the land where you sent us, and surely... It flows with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. It's great, everything, it's a wonderful place. Nevertheless, the people are strong, that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and great, and moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. What you're going to realize is that's a true statement. You understand? We're not, we're not, we're not saying that's not true. We're not saying that America's not in a recession. We're not saying that the economy isn't hurting. We're not saying that someone in the White House is not acting ugly or anyone else. We're not saying that those things don't exist. We're not pretending. They're there. They're mean. They're bad. They're ugly. All right. But what did God say? All right. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites, and the Jebusites, the Amorites, and the Canaanites, and the, um, and the termites down by Canaan by the sea, and kept eating all the wood and in the boats. I just made all that. By the Jordan, and Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, let's go up at once and possess it. We are well able to overcome it. The Joshua and Caleb had a good report, and the men that went up with him said, we're not able to go against his people. They're stronger than we are. And that was a true statement also. They were stronger than them, but they were not stronger than the covenant. You understand, we're not talking about you are able. We're talking about the greater one that lives on the inside of you. You have a covenant with Almighty God. You're washed in the blood. You're Abraham's blessing. Do you understand? We're, you need to brag on the, you need to have, your picture needs to be painted by the word, not by your fantasies. Okay. Well, I can do anything. No, you can't. But with God, I can do anything. Now, what did he tell me to do? Do this. Yes, sir, we're going to go do it. If he said do it, you're going to go do it. And he'll finance it. And he'll take care of you. All right. 
Verse 32, and they brought up an evil report of the land. Now, it didn't say they cussed. It just said they gave an evil report. All of your negative talk, all of the negative talk in the news right now, God hates it. Stop whining about what somebody done. It's a negative report. It's not hindering you. You're, they're going to be there until the rapture. You, you might as well learn to be blessed in the middle of their mess. All right. And they brought an evil report of the land which they searched to the children of Israel, and the land in which we had gone to search is a land that eats the inhabitants and all the people we saw. There were men of great statutes. And there we saw the giants, the son of Anak, which comes to the giants, and we were in our own sight grasshoppers, and so we were in theirs. We, you were not in theirs, but in your sight, you, they said, we ain't nothing but a little do-nothing grasshopper. Who am I that God would bless me? What is that image of? That's an image of you without Jesus. Well, I sure wish that Mark Hankins would come, God would bless him. And I sure wish that Pastor Hagin would come, God would bless him. And I sure wish that Reinhard Bonnke would come, God would bless him. But dear God, he would never bless me. Where'd you get that kind of thinking? Let me make a statement to you. The Bible says love others as you love who? You know, some of y'all don't even like yourself, much less love yourself. Are you his workmanship created in Christ Jesus? Are you? Then did he do a lousy job? What, what, what's your gig? I'm not perfect. Ain't nobody perfect. What's hindering from using you? Your head your lack of faith, faith in God. When you read your Bible, what do you see? So we know they didn't go in. God couldn't take them in. When, when he's God, he can do anything. No, no, he can't. He cannot override. When Jesus went to his own hometown, listen to me, his own hometown, and they said, he's a carpenter. What hindered them from getting healing? Well, this boy, we know this boy. He's a carpenter. Did you know that I've never been able to get anybody healed or born again in this church that knows me intimately, closely, and they think, well, that's Daryl. Forget it. You ain't getting squat from me. Thank you. But you know when I leave this church and go to some other churches, thousands of people get saved and healed and filled with the Holy I've been in a church where 500 people filled with the Holy Ghost instantly. I've been in a church where everybody in the building fell out in the power. Whoa! Come back to my church, can't get three people up the altar. Hey, Daryl. You might want to change your thinking. You might want to start realizing there's an office connected to the guy who's imperfect. Amen. Woo! Well, what about you? 
When are you going to get your, when are you going to get your ray? When are you going to start thinking, the greater is he that's inside of me. The greater one lives inside of me. I mean, the same Holy Ghost that raised Jesus from death, hell, and the grave is living on the inside of me, and then I'm running around looking for someone to pray for me. How stupid. I'll lay my hands on my back. I say, oh, glory be to God. Thank you, Jesus. I got wall-to-wall Holy Ghost on the inside of me. I mean, big, my God. What, why is it we have such a hard time believing good? Well, I wouldn't say that about myself. No, I'm only going to say what he said. Just say what he said. Now, you know this to be true. Don't you like being liked? And how do we fix it if you don't like you? I can look and say, you know, don't listen to him over there. He don't know what he's talking about. You're a good guy. But it's hard for me to tell you when you don't even like Yes, it's hard to do. Well, you know, I'm just not all that smart. I thought you had the mind of Christ. So here, let me, let me give you another story. When I got born again and I'm laying in a house, I tried to get a picture of this house and they, they went and messed up and they, and they, um, they, they wrapped the house inside in and fixed it up. And I wanted you to see it the way it was when it didn't have a heater and it didn't have an air conditioner. And the bathroom had a hole in the ceiling where you could take a bath at night and look at the stars. <laughs> there was no carpet in the house anywhere. We had a pot bellied wood stove for heat. What that's like living in that environment and, and the spirit of God while I'm laying in a bed in, a, in about an 800 square foot house and God starts showing me visions of me preaching in India and Africa and the world. And, and, if, you, and if people saw what was going on in my head, they'd have looked at me and went, you're crazy. I didn't have enough money to buy a McDonald's hamburger, Coke and fries were a dollar with change back then. And I couldn't buy one. And I'm laying in a bed thinking about Africa and India and people getting saved and healed and filled with the Holy Ghost. How dare you? But I did. I did. I started dreaming. And every dream has come to pass except just a few. I still have a few that I haven't seen yet. Barbara, one of them was getting all my books in print. I don't want to tell y'all what I'm about. There, are, there is a certain place in America that's about to call me and ask me to come preach. And I've known it for years because I know it in me. Sometimes I'll be in a building and the Lord will say, when they call you, this is what I want you to preach. And, I don't, and I'll just take notes. There is a God. Now, Zach will tell you this is true. When I had a little Toyota, one of the reasons I didn't buy the bigger one was gas prices. It was. It was just poverty thinking. And I had a picture of it up in there, a Tundra, V8 Tundra. And I went in there and Mark Hankins said, what's that? And I said, oh, that's truck I'm believing for. He said, just go buy it. I said, that's the word of the Lord. And I left and went and bought it. And the Lord, and there was only one white one in the whole central Florida. And the owner, the man at the Toyota dealership, was building it for himself. 
And when I got there, he says, we have no white truck. And I said, I have a white truck in Florida somewhere. I, it's because it's on my wall. It's what I believe in God for. And he said, well, we don't have one. I said, there's one somewhere. And he said, well, we have a gray one. I said, I don't want a gray one. He said, well, look at the gray one anyway. He looked at the gray one. It had the wheels and it had the lift. It had everything in it. And he said, well, the boss of the owner of the Toyota dealership, he has one he's building. And you might want to ask him where he got it lifted. And they went and got it and brought it around. It's white. And I said, whose truck? He said, well, that's the, that's the owner of the Toyota dealership or one of the big dogs here. He's building it for himself. I said, is it for sale? And he started choking. I said, it is now. And I bought it. That was my truck. They built my truck. Glory to God. Come on, y'all. Someone's building your truck or they're building your house right now. Some, y'all. Amen. I still have an imagination, and I still use it. I need you to use it with me. Quit thinking of this church as being a little, cute, little church. Do you think we can take, do you think we can do a crusade in the amphitheater? Come on, I need more than that. I want you to start seeing it. I don't want you to look at how many people in this church. I don't want you to look at the money. I just want you to start seeing that amphitheater full and, and 50,000 people in the city of Apopka hearing the word of God and getting born again. Now you might think, well, you're crazy. I, I've been crazy for 45 years. I had someone say one time, I said, I, I said, I understand that I'm not all that. But in all of my ignorance, I'm doing more than you are. Because I'm crazy enough to do it. Now, let me, I got two minutes. When I was a boy, remember I told you that I read a lot of cowboy books? Did you know I owned a horse in a neighborhood? I went and bought one. And I built me a stable. And it's illegal, but I bought one anyway. I didn't have a bridle and I didn't have a saddle. I put a hay string in his jaw and jumped on his back and, and I broke that horse and rode it. Because every time I've ever had anything I wanted to do bad enough, I just did it. I mean, I'm just a little bit crazy. I mean, if, you, if I get an idea, I'll just do it. You want to hear one more? Just one more, just one more. Maybe two more, but one more for sure. <laughs> I got a hold of a cassette tape one time by Kenneth Copeland, and he was talking about flying. And I went, Lord, I've always wanted to do that. Now, you know, this is when I'm making $20 a day. I'm coming home to Athens, and I'm listening to Kenneth Copeland talk about flying airplanes. And I rolled the window down in my Honda Civic, and I hollered, clear prop. And I flew that car home. I radioed the tower and taxied out to Garnett Drive. And I took off headed 180 until I got on the Broken Air Expressway and climbed up to 10,000 feet and flew 40 all the way to Tennessee. I'm in an airplane. You say, no, you're not. I was. I was. Until the day this church called me and wanted to know if I'd come preach. And that's the service that Matthew got saved Remember that, Betty? Who else got born again in the Votah? 
they wrote me a check for 50 bucks. Back then, you could rent a plane for 28 an hour, an instructor for 10. And I took that 50 and went to Orlando country and took one lesson. You said, did you have all the money in the name of Jesus? But I had enough for one lesson, so I took it. Y'all are, I hope y'all are out there. Listen, you, you're never going anywhere if you don't take a step. Well, they called me back. I didn't care anything about this church, but they kept giving me $50 to preach. I kept flying airplanes. <laughs> Finally, they just quit looking for someone. And I asked, well, have you found anybody yet? And they still haven't. And so I've been kind of in, in this. Any, anyway, y'all know the story. Do y'all see this? Do you see this? If I could tell you the one thing Satan's attacked on me more than anything else, it's my imagination to get me to think negative. Look at the problem, see the problem, talk the problem. And as long as I'm doing that, I'm stuck. You're stuck. You go nowhere. It is something to pick up a Bible and go, by stripes, I'm healed. He heard my prayer. I'm healed. And everything in you is going, <laughs> you're about to die. I'm the healed. I'm redeemed. I'm blessed. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even Washington, D.C., I fear no evil, for you are with me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of all of my enemies. Are y'all out there? I read it to paint pictures in me. That's a picture to me. It's not a scripture, it's a picture. Let me read a couple more and then I'm going to turn you loose. Oh, I already did it. Philippians 4.19 is my last one. I heard a millionaire the other day that made a statement that he got a hold of Brother Hagen's tapes. And during the recession in the 70s, him and his wife made millions of dollars during the recession. And every time they would get together and pray, they would grab hands and say, Our God meets all of our needs. Whatever we put our hand to prospers. And while everyone else was going broke, he is making money. He never went poor in his soul. He said, God, you know where those cells are. He, every investment made money. He never lost a dime in any investment because he prayed over, which ones do you want me to do? And the ones the Lord would show him, he would think, that's not going to do good, God. But he'd do it anyway. And the ones that he thought would do good, they didn't make money. But he was led by the Spirit and used the Word of God and, and after, well, when he first met Brother Hagin, he had $200, 200 And a few years later, he walked into a camp meeting and matched everybody's giving in the building and gave over $1 million and didn't even scratch his checkbook. I'm preaching a lot better than y'all, amen. Say, my God meets every one of my needs. Not just money, not just money. I don't care what it is. Every, every need I got, every need I got, every single need I got, he meets every need. My kids or whatever they need, the wisdom I need, he meets all of my needs. My God leads me, guides me in the path of righteousness. Amen. I mean, I have the wisdom of God. I have the mind of Christ. I lack in no good thing. 
I never lack for money. I never lack for opportunity. I never, I, I mean, I'm, I, the grace of God follow, goodness and mercy follow me all of the days of my life. All of my, everywhere I go, it's, I stop and slow down. Goodness slams into me. Bam. I mean, I'm just the goodness of God. Now that'll make you happy. You'll walk around grinning going, mm, man, I'll tell you what, God is good. If you find yourself going sad, your eyes came off the word. And Satan is now working on a negative picture. Just go back and say, well, I don't think so. I don't think so. Not today. Not today, devil. Not today. Father God, I've preached I, what I believe is, is probably one of the most important messages we'll ever hear in our life as a Christian. The world we're living in is not the friendliest place in the world right now. It might even get bad. The Bible says darkness cover the earth. But it says your light will shine over us. You, you, you took care of the children of Israel in, in, in Goshen. They had light in their house. They had food in their house. They were, they were fine. They did fine. I pray that every one of us would learn that no matter what's going on around us, to believe the best. You are a good God, the greater one's in us. And, and, and guard our thoughts and our imaginations and keep them on you in Jesus' name. Now, I didn't have time tonight, but the woman with the issue of blood saw herself being healed before she got to him. Blind Bartimaeus threw his coat off and he believed he would be, he, 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 see, he saw it. The guy on the roof saw himself healed before he ever tore the roof off. There's something going on in their imagination long before they got their miracle. You and I, listen to me, leave here tonight. You leave here tonight and I want you to work on what you are thinking about. And if ha you have to, make yourself think like the Bible is true. Amen. God bless you. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big Give Now button. Or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember... Our pastor's vision is this, we grow Christians. So we thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.